You are now tuned in to the Free Play Media Podcast Network. Everybody, we are live. Live, we are. My name is Chris Denman. I've got Jeff Jones sitting in with us today, and we'll have a special guest I'll tell you about in just a second. Our friends at Presence Float Center, go see them. Promo code WAL. That's for We Are Live. Go get your float. That's 10 bucks off Sensory Deprivation Tank. Uh, great sponsor of ours here at We Are Live. Today, we're pleased to be joined by the great Rob Cesarino. Rob, thanks for joining us, man. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Uh, it, it's fantastic to talk to you. I'm not going to lie. So I do this with uh, my co-host, Travis Terrell. He's out today. Jeff had uh, a special guest list that he wanted to hit. And I think this is the most excited I've seen him outside of speaking to uh, hockey players. He's a very in- intricate uh, writer for hockey, things like that. His other passion, reality TV, and he's a huge fan of yours. And it's fun watching him tremble in studio with you on the other line, Rob. It's That's true, so- yeah. I'm, I'm yelling at people to shut up so I can make a phone call because it's like the most important <laughs> phone call of my day, for sure. Uh, yeah, so no, Rob, thank you so much for hopping on with us. Uh, like Chris was saying, I, I, I have been a big uh, Rob Has a Podcast listener for a long time. I have I have yet to miss a season of Survivor, so we have, uh, I don't know, we have an old school throwback like, I watched you on TV and you're a real person. That's exciting for me. You know, it's a real thing. <laughs> I am a real person. That's yeah. true, yeah. Uh, but but Chris, let me ask you. So, but you have uh, nothing to do with this stuff. This is like uh, we're talking nonsense with the reality no, shows. No. So, reality shows, uh, I can, I, I will kind of check out on as far not for the conversation. I find you as a person very interesting, and then I also can get deep on the Game of Thrones stuff. Reality shows to me, I, I have not. I think the last reality show I watched was like The Ultimate Fighter, which is pretty. Uh, it's not mm-hmm. really in that mix. I watched Real World kind of growing up i think the last i'm 33 last real world i saw was uh hawaii with a girl named amaya or tech or something like that in there uh it's and far- ruthie yeah oh ruthie yeah, yeah she, she got had naked a, got in the hot tub crippling addiction to alcohol too well, like, yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was tough but no i find it interesting and i respect it as a medium but you know not uh, not something i i get into uh, on a regular basis, but I heard you on Corolla's podcast somewhat recently, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, and, and I, I, I last month. Yeah, I was thinking that, and uh, whenever Jeff brought your name up, I was like, oh, I really liked him. Whenever he stopped by uh, Corolla's podcast, so it's uh, it's great to talk to you. But so this has become this is the in 2017. Not only do we have someone like yourself, you could be hosting uh, VIP events at bars around the country. Instead, you've turned being on a reality show into, I mean, you have your own network. You have all these great things going through your website. I mean, some of that perspective is super interesting to me that in 2017 that you were smart enough to parlay some fame into a career, right? You make it like uh, there was all these options in front of me, like, uh, Rob, the world is your oyster. What do you want to do? But I really, I had nothing going on. 
Right. Nobody wanted me to go anywhere. People were asking me not to come to their bars. Uh, <laughs> please uh, don't ruin our VIP function by showing up. <laughs> and so I just, that's why I got into podcasting was because I had no, uh, no opportunities and no offers to do anything. And so I just started like talking about different TV shows that I was watching. And then uh, luckily people started to listen to the podcast. Well, so you were what? You were 24 the first time you were on Survivor, right? That was, I mean, at, at that point, like, are you anticipating going into the filming that season? Like, I can make a career out of this. Like, I'm going to get famous from Survivor, and I'm going to turn it, what, into hosting game shows or doing more reality TV no. stuff? Or So you, you thought it was going to be one and done, like, just, I'm going to do it. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to live this dream and then be done with it. I had no plan. I knew I had a, a very boring job, and I lived in my parents' basement. And there was no, like, okay... Uh, step one, get on a reality show. Step two, uh, <laughs> uh, start this big, you know, Heisenberg-esque plan. I was just going to just know this was, I was A, going to go on a reality show, and B, maybe I would get a date after that. That was really the extent of how far out I had thought the plan. And maybe C, I would get to go to uh, parties that survivor people were at, and I would get to meet the survivors. That was as far as I had thought this thing through. Do you still have a recollection of the first time that someone like saw you on the street or saw you publicly and was like, oh my God, you're Rob from Survivor. Like, do you remember that moment? You know, I, you know, I was living on Long Island at the time. And so it wasn't really like, uh, I was like on, you know, stopped in public or anything like that. But there were, there were some moments where people would like in like, uh, you know, uh, like a drugstore, like at a red light, like while the show was going on, like that was sort of uh, a weird feeling to, uh, to go through. But as you know, I don't, I'm not one of these people that has like a super distinct look where uh, I'm like immediately right. recognizable. So even at the time when I was on the show, it wasn't like, you know, people were, you know, stopping you left and right. Like you were like um, one of the like really iconic looking people. That makes sense. As far as your experience on, and again, too, this is me just coming from the outside of it. So if it sounds ignorant or uh, or lower level, I apologize. But I, the only experience I do uh, another podcast with a guy named Ian Bag, and he was a runner up on Last Comic Standing. His his okay. uh, his mm, I guess his mindset towards reality TV. He was happy for the exposure, and I guess it's a little bit different. He was a little grossed out by the produ production of the uh, of it, but stand-up comedy is its own medium. That's kind of a weird thing. What was it like to be, I mean, as far as Survivor goes, how much of uh, the production got in the way of anything, or were you just happy to be part of this crazy game that you're on TV for? Well, I think that with something like Last Comic Standing, I feel like that those people are stand-up comedians. They're already doing stand-up. And right. then, you know, production is sort of like getting in the way and like making all these contrived situations to make a TV show out of that. It's not like I'm in real life, you know, on an island anyway, voting people out and the producers <laughs> are like, ask me to do something. Like, hey, get out of my way. Look, yeah. I, I know what I'm doing here. I've been this voting people I off I do islands. this every day. I've been doing this since <laughs> so middle school. Yeah. Yeah. It's already like a really crazy situation. So it, it, the production is sort of like telling you, you know, where you're supposed to be. And, they, you know, they brought you to this island. You don't know what from anything with being out there. So I didn't find it to be, 
you know, something that was like getting in the way. It was almost like that you were in their playground to begin with. So I wasn't looking at it like that they were blocking me from doing anything. I felt like that we were there to serve a need of, you know, being on this show, which had been a dream of mine to go out there and do. And see, I'm curious now too, from a production perspective, because in order for you to do what you do with Rob has a podcast, I know that, you know, you show up to like the CBS media events and stuff, and they give you really good access for interviews and whatnot. Uh, how do you balance sort of keeping their desires in terms of keeping production stuff sort of quiet with uh, having behind the scenes guests and old contestants and maybe folks who are no longer bound by their NDAs in a way that would maybe let you have a more open conversation than the network might want. Well, I think that the show kind of knows what it is and certainly like you can do sort of like inside baseball on different things, but I think that the mainstream audience, it's almost like professional wrestling where everybody is I don't want to like uh, reveal too much, but you know that <laughs> professional wrestling is is scripted. But for the most part, when you you know have people that are on like you know wrestling you know wrestling interviews, like they're not necessarily talking too much about like sort of like the nitty gritty of the behind the scenes. So sure. certainly you know you have people that want like to have like the morbid curiosity of like okay let's talk about this talk about this. But for the most part. I think that the stuff that's really like the meat of what's interesting is the stuff that's all above board that you can really get into the stuff that happened on the TV show rather than the stuff that happened off camera or behind the scenes, which w wasn't really part of the storyline. Yeah, you're going to be able to, to, I guess, satiate the need for that for the people that are looking for those type of conversations. Right. Those things that, you know, they do happen, you know, eventually, but maybe that that might be part of something that's more of like a two and a half hour conversation as opposed to something you might be doing on a red carpet. That's like a five or 10 minute conversation. All right. So it's the summer, which means it's big brother time. I know you're totally wrapped mm -hmm. up into that in terms of in terms of how the podcast goes on average. Let's let's make me feel better about myself. How many hours a week of feeds do you think that you personally are going through? <laughs> You know, I don't watch a ton of oh, no. myself personally. <laughs> I have a, uh, but I, but I, what I luckily what I've been able to uh, create with the podcast is that I have a team of people that watch the live feed, right? And right. then I am talking to them constantly, and they're doing daily updates about the feeds, and then they're part of the podcast coverage that I do. So they're sort of like my embedded reporters that are out there in the field and they're telling me sort of like what's the reporting back, what's happening on the front line. And I'm getting updates from Twitter and I'm watching the highlights of anything that sort of like bubbles to the surface. But those guys and, and girls are the people that are sort of like putting in all of the hours watching the feeds on a daily basis. Yeah. Big Brother to me is a really interesting uh, and a, a unique viewing experience because you have the sort of real-time aspect of the game being you know, on, on the live feeds and being streamed versus the edited shows. It, it, it creates a sort of like four-day temporal shift kind of every week where there are events that occurred throughout mm -hmm. the previous week that are now wrapped up on. I mean, do you think that there, wh which way I guess is a more natural way to you to view the show? You feel like you're missing out with no feeds or do you get enough of it through just watching like the edited TV version? 
I definitely feel. I mean, the show is on three times a week. Also, I mean that right. that's sort of like the disconnect. Where like to like uh, I bet to Chris to hear like, oh my god, what is a sh- the show's on? I have to watch the show three <laughs> times during the week. Uh, and the person that's watching the twenty four seven feed is like, what? You're only watching the three right. hours a week on yeah. the on the TV show? And how do you even know what's going on? You're only watching three hours a week. So. Uh, there's definitely levels with how immersed you want to get in that world, but I, you know, am updated on what's going on. So I'm able to sort of like, I know where sort of like the themes are, where the storylines are sort of like a little bit crafted, uh, to like paint people in a certain light versus what was actually happening in the house. I feel like that even without watching the feeds, I know, what the differences are from maybe not like, uh, to a, like, uh, you know, every single minor detail, but in terms of the major details and differences, I know all that. So we've had back to back summers on big brother now where we have small numbers of returning players coming back to play the game again. Last summer, you had four, obviously this summer, just the one. Do you think this creates a sort of flaw in the game that makes it, uh, you know, I, I don't know about unfair, but certainly puts a thumb on the scale, uh, a little bit because, you know, obviously aside from the perspective of having played before there, certainly this season has been a level of deference to uh, a player in Paul just because he's played before everyone assumes that he knows what he's talking about and there's very little direct challenge I mean does that substantially do you think impact the outcome of the game yeah there's such a steep learning curve with reality TV and how it plays out I'm not sure if it necessarily like equates to sports where if you had a league of people that were all rookies and there was one person who was in their second year, like what the difference would be. But on the mm-hmm. reality TV, somebody that's been through it before has such a big advantage over the person who has seen every season. And especially against uh, the people that is just a complete recruit who's barely even seen the show. And so you have Paul this season, who is somebody who was a finalist, was there the you know 90 some odd days last season and then comes back and basically just knows how everything works day to day. And so there's such deference to him in the house in terms of uh, he knows everything and how it will go down from week to week. And he was also a good player his first time around. So he's just like at a God level with all of these newbies. And now it's at the point where, okay, now they've been in the house for 50, 60 days. And they're starting to like, okay, they know how this works, but they're just still at such a, uh, you know, a loss to what he's been able to build over all this time that it's a little bit of an unfair playing field. Yeah. And I also wonder too, even from just a flat out psychological level of getting used to being in a, you know, an, an enclosed space with cameras on you all of the time. That is, I would imagine a strong psychological adjustment that maybe, maybe he gets to that quicker. Right. So it takes another player <sighs> kind of zone it, in or out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It takes another player two to three weeks to really get used to that feeling and be able to, to trust their instincts and, and, and trust their intellectual gameplay, whereas Paul can just sort of turn it immediately right back on. Yeah, you have that, and you also have that for most of these people, they're sort of like, you know, on TV, and they're they're like, their head is spinning, like, oh my God, look at me, I'm on a TV show, this is amazing, and there's just like adjusting to this uh, surreal experience where Paul shows up day one, okay, back to work, and he is making plans and thinking about the end from the beginning where, you know, these other people, it might take them 20, 30 days to sort of get their sea legs of like, oh, okay, I get what I'm trying to accomplish here. 
rather than this isn't this cool I'm on this TV show. Uh, and this is another one where I'm coming from a point of ignorance. So guys, I, I apologize if this is it. But in the reality TV realm as a whole, who can we think of as who's the biggest star that's went on? After a reality show, that's a that's a curious question, and I'm sure it's very obvious. I think there is. I'm going to see what Rob's answer is because I do have one very obvious answer. Rob, who would be yours? Uh, well, I think that the person that really broke out from this whole world would be Elizabeth Hasselbeck, that she was from Survivor to the Australian Outback. Uh, she went on to host uh, or be one of the hosts on The View, and she sort of like became. A, you know, a well-known personality, and it was kind of like an afterthought that she was from Survivor, even though she was sort of like a superstar of that time. I'm not sure what she's doing now. And then she went to Fox News, yeah, and then probably. she's yeah. out, and then, and then she left, and I'm not sure uh, where she is now, but I think that that's the one person that sort of like became a superstar out of all of this, and then sort of like became so big that you don't even think of her as a person who went through this experience. And see, yeah, I was gonna, I was going broader, I guess. I was going sort of beyond the uh, the Big Brother in Survivor realm because my thought was Carrie Underwood as a person who broke it because she, well, she, she, well, she won American Idol. American Idol people. Right, yeah, well, yeah, that, I guess I mean, that's a whole other level, that's I guess. Story. Yeah, for sure, because yeah. anybody who's been doing American yeah, Idol. Music's sort of, yeah, music's weird. Yeah. Yeah, that's a different thing. Yeah, I would think that that makes sense, too. And I wonder, was Elizabeth Hasselbeck, Elizabeth Hasselbeck, when she was on, was she on Survivor because she was married to an NFL quarterback. She's married to uh, well, no, no, yeah, no, she was no. just on it. Okay, and she's married That's to di- Tim, Matt's brother. I think Tim maybe played in the league for a small amount of time. No, he, he was, was a backup yeah, for yeah. ten plus years, probably. I think yeah. he might have played for the Giants and, too. Yeah, he was. I think a quarterback at uh, Boston College yep. at the time they were dating, but she was Elizabeth Falarski at the time that she was on Survivor. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. So, all right, Rob, Game of Thrones, my friend, and and yeah. Jeff, feel here's, free to here's par- the point where feel I free to part. No, feel free to parlay <laughs> back. We can web it all together. Uh, but Game yeah. of Thrones, we've got uh, end of the season this week, right? Is what we're doing. Yeah. Right. Are we talking like details and spoilers? Well, let's, Rob, I'm gonna let you make the call. I'm gonna say, uh, okay. yeah. Spoiler alert. This is your alert. So okay. for, for for the for the leaked episode too though, what's that? Uh, yeah, don't I haven't I haven't looked at leaked stuff, so maybe don't get into. I don't care. No, no, no I'm not gonna talk about the. I mean, we're not talking about the leaks. Stop. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Nobody should talk about that. Nobody exactly. Talk about I haven't even. I haven't touched that. I don't know why people do that to themselves. I, I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and Jeff, for you, I'll try to talk about Game of Thrones in Big Brother terms. Yes, okay, perfect. Perfect. What perfect. a sweetheart. Yeah. See, this is why yeah. I had to talk to Rob. And I'm glad you did. I'm having a lot of fun. So we got we Game Good. of Thrones this weekend, season finale. Yeah. Uh, you excited? How, how, are a you happy from, with the, this? Season finale is a week from Sunday. Yeah. That, that, that it's in, in two weeks. Okay, got it. Okay, so are you happy with the way this season has gone and the way they're seemingly tying up the end of this uh, this epic, epic series? Well, it's been exciting. I do think that it feels like towards the end we are at the point where we're just sort of like yada yadaing uh, some stuff. Where <laughs> yeah, that's uh, true. Yeah, to, to put this in Big Brother terms, uh, that this is almost like that. You know, in this uh, you know Game of Thrones. If Big Brother is a hundred days, uh, the you know Game of Thrones has been like ten thousand days, and you know we sort of like have been at one pace for the whole time, and now we're getting towards the end, 
and it's like we're having like evictions every day and yeah. it's like uh okay 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 uh and we're really just trying to it, it feels to me like that there probably could have been like five more seasons of the show and they're trying to fit it all into 10 episodes it's just like that people are just bouncing from one place to another and we're along for the ride like okay we're doing this now okay okay you know i'm gonna follow along but it's just like super accelerated well and and so this is this is me coming at it from my spot of thrones ignorance my understanding tell me if i'm wrong is that this season is the first one where the book has yet to be completed right this was sort of done in in concert with george rr martin he sort of got together with hbo and was like here's how the plot of the book will lay out and so the season progressed from there is that i'm correct on that maybe so last season was the first season that we were really beyond okay. uh, what was going on in the in the books, and so that was the the first one. And this was also like that. I believe that uh, the uh, the showrunners uh, Benny Up and Weiss that they had a conversation with George R. R. Martin about how the rest of the saga was going to go, but that I don't believe that George R. R. Martin is really working that closely. With the show, I think he sort of shared what the vision was for the end, and then these guys are just sort of like taking that and running with it and trying to probably, you know, uh, make it a lot neater than it ultimately will be if the books ever get completed. Well, that was, yeah, that was my curiosity too, is obviously when you translate literature to screen, there's a huge difference in terms, you know, there's it's it's unavoidable to have those changes happen. And so I do wonder how much, number one, how reflective this will end up being of the final books. And number two, I guess, can can he avoid letting the show affect his writing process? I mean, I, don't, I, don't, I wonder how possible that is too. Yeah, I think that the two things uh, will probably end up in the same place, but I think that there's going to be, I mean, just like for somebody who is watching the TV show, like uh, there are, you know, the storyline in the books is, you know, uh, I wouldn't say radically different, but there is a a lot more substance to characters and storylines and there's whole plots that have just been sort of shaved off in the TV show versus the books. So I do think that I think that a lot of the book readers were like, oh, well, I, I want to see the end of this story and experience it the way I experienced it by reading it first in the book. I think that you will have a vastly different experience, even if the you know, everybody ends up in the same place with reading the books as opposed to watching how this is going to play out over these next eight episodes of television. That makes sense. Uh, I've got. Uh, so, again, spoiler alert, if you're if you missed the first one, spoiler alert. So. I, uh, the last episode, one thing, I, I don't really complain. I'm really happy with this form of entertainment. I love the series. I'm super into it. And, uh, I get it if people have complaints. Something stuck out to me, uh, in last week's episode whenever, uh, Gilly was casually bringing up that a, a, a marriage yeah. had been annulled. And they, it, it was almost too obvious. Like they were like, I, I don't know. Do you know what I'm talking about? The, the scene? Sure. That it yeah. felt so, odd to me, and I know it, what they it were alluding feel like to. Something right, and I think that that's exactly the kind of thing where you would imagine. However, that comes up in uh, the books that it will be done a lot more artfully than Gilly just flipping through an old book. Like, oh, it says here that oh, oh did you know that? That's, that's weird, <laughs> right. and, and sort of just like an aside <laughs> where it's like, oh. And, and, you know, and Sam doesn't even pick up on that, but yeah, that could be 
a major uh, plot point in terms of uh, Jon Snow moving forward. Right, and are, so are you of the uh, thought that Jon Snow and uh, and uh, and uh, Daenerys are going to be together romantically? Do they find out in time and move past it? I mean, how do you foresee that relationship going if they do, in fact, remain alive, which I, I think they will? Yeah, that's going to be interesting. I wonder if, you know, there is uh, some flirtation there, but do we have time for them to have a romance by the end of this series? Again, only eight episodes left. There's two more left in this season, and then the final season is going to be six. If you think that maybe Jon Snow doesn't live past the end of the series, Maybe is it the kind of thing where there's sort of like a connection, but there's not real, we don't like get that relationship consummated where it would be this uh, thing where there's a lot of complications with all of that. So I, I suspect we don't ever explore that fully on the show. One thing that I think is interesting about Game of Thrones, just from a sort of I don't know, from a, from a cultural perspective, is it almost feels like as we approach the end of Game of Thrones, it sort of closes the book on that, you know, that golden age of TV uh, throughout the 2000s mm-hmm. and the 2010s as well. I guess you still have Better Call Saul, which is likely to go for at least one, probably I mean, you know, one to two more years, I guess, with Better Call Saul. I mean, is that, you think that's accurate? You think we're moving now towards a more, you know, Netflix distribution and more direct on-demand content and less of the sort of week-by-week serializing? That's a a good question. Uh, you know, uh, Game of Thrones is really just you know so ubiquitous. Where it almost like in our like national culture, it is almost like you know short of like the Super Bowl, the one sort oh, of yeah. uh, event that there's like so much. Uh, just like everybody is looking at this um, as it, as it's going on. You know, though I feel like that the Walking Dead is almost yeah. there, but not, but not. White. People are hard I, on know, The Walking I, I, Dead right now, too. I'm a huge fan, I and know. I love the comic books and all that stuff. I get the critiques, but, man, the public sentiment is kind of rough on The uh, Walking Dead right now. <laughs> well, it depends what your Negan tolerance is. I, I actually uh, I do enjoy Negan, but um, you know, it's almost like that The Walking Dead is the opposite of Game of Thrones, where Game of Thrones is saying, like, boy... Uh, everybody that's working on this show would really like to move on to other projects. How do we wrap this up in the next year or so? And The Walking Dead says, boy, everybody here working on this project would like to stay employed. How do we keep this show (laughs) on the air and making money for the next 30 years? (laughs) Man, they could, too. Yeah, I mean, you could see them really drag things out, and they're going to catch up to the comic really quick here in a little mm-hmm. bit so i could definitely i don't know if the popularity will still be there i i could see those bastards you know dragging it to 15 seasons yeah they stretch and stretch and stretch so in in terms of of game of thrones being the last great you know uh episodic weekly broadcast show I, I do think something else will come along. I, I think that we probably like had this conversation before, like when Lost was ending and is it was Lost, the you know when The Sopranos ended. I think that there was something else will come along that uh, will you know catch uh, you know capture the hearts and minds. I don't think that there's something specific about this story other than you know just uh, the uh, you know the, the the mythology and then also the uh, the effects and you know there really is something for everybody here in Game of Thrones but 
I, I think that there may something else will come along that won't necessarily only be on Netflix. If Is you it, had to pick, sorry, Jeff. No, go, no, ahead. go ahead. If you had to pick to wrap this, and we can get back to anything you want, Jeff. <laughs> no, but as far as Game of Thrones goes, and maybe this is, you know, who knows what's going to happen. If you were to, uh, you were forced to make a decision how you thought things would kind of finalize on the TV show, can you give me a, a synopsis of how you think it could potentially go down and uh, what a what a high percentage ending to the show would be? <laughs> Boy, uh, that's, you know, the big question. I mean, I, I feel like that people sort of, have this conventional wisdom where that we're going to eventually, you know, uh, get, you know, take out Cersei and the Lannisters from King's Landing, get the dragons north of the wall, take out the White Walkers, and that we're going to walk away from this with this sort of like happy ending where mm. Daenerys ends up sitting on the Iron Throne. But this show from its beginning has told you, like, uh, that just when you think things are going to go oh. well for your favorite characters, things are going to end up going bad. So I, I really do think that we'll end up with some sort of a bittersweet ending. And I, I do feel like that we'll walk away from Westeros where sort of like this, the whole monarchy is, and, and like, is gone away. I feel like that there is no Iron Throne as we come away from this. And it's a little bit more of like a ambiguous ending in terms of like what happens next in the world of Game of Thrones. All right, Rob, we have seasons 35 and 36 of Survivor <laughs> already filmed in Look the can. Look how excited Jeff is. Well, no, so here's what I'm curious about. 35 and 36, they're filmed, they're done. At this point, as you get close to a nice big round number, you got to think it lasts through 40 that's going to be close to 20 years of Survivor. We talk about, you know, the extent of the golden age That's of wild. television. Yeah. 20, yeah, we're going to be, this is, this will be the 17th year of Survivor. Was it the first the Survivor that uh, Richard yes, won? Okay. In I, that's the, yeah. that's what I've seen. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's, yeah, there's your, see, there, you have a baseline. Yeah, there you go. There of you course. go. How, I mean, how long is the shelf life? I mean, I, it's, is it, is it as long as Propes wants to keep doing it? I, Cause I, you know, from a network perspective, I'm sure they're thrilled with it. Is it, is there a terminal date to Survivor, do you feel like? You know, that's an interesting question and certainly one that I have pondered about that has kept me up uh, many a night as somebody who really, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> earns their livelihood, uh, you know, covering these sure. shows uh, primarily. But, you know, going back to what you're saying about, you know, is Game of Thrones the last great episodic show, it, it's been amazing that reality shows, and reality franchises uh, like a Survivor, Big Brother has basically won its time slot every single outing that it's been on this year. The Bachelor is as big as it's ever been. It's huge. And for whatever reason, you know, for scripted procedural drama, which there is a lot of on the rest of television, that those shows uh, have really, you know, felt the brunt of sort of the, uh, you know, millions of uh, seemingly dramas that are out there on Netflix and all of these other streaming services. But that the reality genres and sort of like the week to week reality shows that those have held up and uh, seem to be, you know, uh, have eroded less quickly than most of the rest of television. So 
being that you are, I think, almost for sure, like the leading expert on Survivor, I don't know, probably in the world. That's probably pretty true. Like I mean, With the you, following you yeah, have yeah, and the knowledge I, I and think. participating. Certainly and... in my house. Yeah. <laughs> Good for uh, you. Uh, do you. Do you like, is your recall as instantaneous and encyclopedic as it used to be, you know, in, in a world where there were eight seasons of Survivor, I'm sure you could very easily do boot order from each season, like rapid fire. Can you still, I mean, is that still something that's in your toolbox 34 seasons in? Do you still have that like immediate recall or are you, are you like the rest of us now where Wikipedia is your best friend for those things? Well, I, I certainly would trust uh, the Survivor Wiki more than sort of my recall, but sure. I don't think I'm bad. I think that you know, especially for the stuff that we're, that we talk about a lot. I had done a couple of years ago, a full 30 season rewatch of survivor as right. part of an audio book that we did. And which took us about a year and a half to go through wow. all of, I mean, I mean, there's over 500 episodes of yeah. survivor. So, you know, and, and I think that we might be at like 500 players of the game. So, um, I, I think that there there are seasons I could give you the the boot order of everybody that went home, but the stuff in the middle gets pretty fuzzy. It's like the recent stuff I'm good at and the classic stuff I'm good at, and the stuff in the middle is probably where I'm the haziest. So, like we're talking about like Samoa through South Pacific, maybe is where we would have to check out a little bit of, a little bit of reference material. Uh, no, I would classify the middle as sort of like, you know, post all star okay. through, that's what uh, I like was going to say, you know, like the, like, the, like the real, like, um, like middle, like the stuff, so the, the, the stuff that was really like after I was on the show and before I started the podcast. Gotcha. Okay. That makes, yeah, that makes sense because that would have been the period, I guess, when you were, I don't know what recovery probably is the wrong word from a survivor experience, but maybe sort of putting it in perspective at least <laughs> and kind of, you know, ch- changing your view of it before it became again, what you, what you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I had basically like three different experiences with the show of one where I was like a fan of the show and it was a phenomenon and it was, you know, my life's dream to be on it. Then where you go and you do it and you uh, come away from it, you know, inevitably like uh, jaded to some degree. And then this third period, which I've been in for a while now, where I'm covering the show and watching it with a different eye because I'm talking about it. And so I have a different perspective on what I get to see on the show and, you know, what I'm trying to remember. Whereas when I was like, just had been on the show afterwards, you know, I'm just like not watching it with like the, you know, uh, I'm going to be talking about it afterwards. Yeah, you mentioned your second experience, and that reminds me, I wanted to ask you this as well. Uh, For a guy who sort of likes the coverage aspect of watching the show and of being involved in a little bit of the nuts and bolts, you were the subject of a spoiler in Survivor All-Stars. You were supposedly caught horseback riding, right? Did I get this right? (laughs) You were in Patagonia with early kids because Rob, Rob was the... Hold on, I'm gonna, the third person voted off, but the fourth person eliminated from All Stars. I got that right. Yeah. I I did get that. Yeah. Okay, that was memory. I'm pretty proud of myself for that one. Uh, Chris, by the way, this is like the, the nerdiest thing that uh, oh, Jeff yeah. has ever talked about in his life. <laughs> yeah, right now, I believe me. Like to, to say this out loud, spoiled <laughs> results from a 15 year old reality show. <laughs> but was that was that weird for you? Like, as a guy who was so deeply in love with the show, like, was it a, was it a strange bit of dissonance to come home and be like, oh my god, I'm a spoiler now. That's great. I love this. This is great. My previous season, uh, Jeff, had actually been spoiled that there was like a big spoiler about the show. Yeah, yeah, until one thing happened. 
yeah, that he had visited the place where we filmed the season and, like, talked to the locals, and they sort of, like, gave, like, um, like a description of all the people that got to the end. So it was sort of uh, basically confirmed that it was Matt and Jenna. But this was bizarre because I, I remember this guy where uh, <laughs> what they what they do, uh, Chris, is when you end up losing on Survivor, the early people, they, like, send them off to go on a vacation. Because yeah. you're there for, like, 39 days. Uh, so for the rest of the time, they send you to go on these, like, uh, different, like, trips around the world. Yeah, go get lost. And we were yeah. <laughs> horseback riding in Patagonia, which sounds, you know, exotic and interesting, but it was really the last thing in the world I wanted to be doing. And uh, we were sort of, like, with, like, people that were, like, tourists that were yeah. also doing this. And this guy who was, like... Uh, he was kind of, kind of an ass, this guy, and he was like, yeah. he was a, he's like, like knew everything, and we were on this trip with him, and he had no idea who we were, but he like took pictures with us, like, oh, here are the people that I'm that I was doing this, and we didn't say anything to him about that, you know, who we were, or that we were people Don't that were pictures from a game show, yeah. right? And and this guy, I guess, like worked in in New York City. And was like showing one of his coworkers, <laughs> "Hey, uh, here's my trip, you know, horseback riding." And then he showed it to somebody who was a big Survivor fan and said, "Holy, oh, I, I know who these people are. You, this was, these are all of these other because we were, you know, all had done Survivor previously." And then this person like went onto the message board and said, "Like, hey, like I got a hot tip. This guy <laughs> in my office went horseback riding last month with uh, these uh, Survivor people, so they're all going to lose." So Steve and accounts payable really spoiled bad that I don't like that one bit. Yeah, he didn't know the guy, you know, it was innocent <laughs> enough what he did. The person who went on the message board probably was the guilty party. Uh, what about, uh, what about this before we get you out of here for all your experiences, podcasting from TV, all this that you're involved in a uh, couple things. What, what is the most, what are you most proud of with all of this work? And then second question who, even if it's a, a holy cow moment or even just a, a numbers factor, who is uh, the most memorable or a famous person you've got to work with or do something with because of uh, the line of work that you're currently in? You know, well, I would say the thing that I'm the most proud of is just what I've been able to build in terms of uh, the podcast. I mean, I yeah. really, I was a person who was on a reality show in... 2003 and I'm at the point where I'm able to, you know, earn a living and support my family and have, you know, a, uh, you know, uh, a, uh, uh, a continuing podcast network based, uh, you know, around television based off of something that I was able to do uh, a really long time ago. So I've just been, you know, that it's been a lot of, you know, hard work. Uh, you know, I work out of my house, but, I probably, you know, uh, work, you know, uh, you know, 15, 16 hours a day at keeping all this stuff moving. So, you know, I am very proud of that fact in terms of who I've been able to work. I mean, I'm sure that there's probably like some really obvious, uh, answers of, uh, with, with all this stuff, but, uh, I, I used to host a, uh, a football podcast at one point with, uh, Terrell Owens, which was, uh, <laughs> sort of a weird, surreal thing right. that happened a long time. So that, I did That's that for like one. one football season. So, um, but I'm sure there's there's uh, something else obvious. That no, I'm that's, that's pretty good. Were you yeah. a, were you a Giants fan growing up, Rob? 
Or a Jets guy? Jets. Jets, a, okay. A long-suffering Jets fan. Yeah. Okay, so then at least you didn't have, like, the weird, like, Cowboys-Niners thing going on with T.O. <laughs> where you have, like, the, yeah, like, okay. The Jets are at least are relatively right. innocuous. Everyone is well, now, bad at the Jets. I, I got to ask, how do you, I know people can be perceived one way, and it's, uh, you know, T.O.'s personalities out there. Uh, and was put out there, and I think it was probably a bit of a character act. How did? What was it yeah. like working with him uh, on the short season? That, but did you? What did you come away from as uh, with the experience of being around him with, for that show? I really thought he seemed like uh, a nice enough guy. He really did not seem. I mean, he did not have you know any interest in me personally outside of <laughs> the podcast or anything yeah. like that. I, you know, I, I don't, I don't even think he really knew what I did. Like he, there was one, you know, he was like, uh, you know, talking about me and, and he described me as like, I'm one of like LA's hottest comedians. Uh, so he really, yeah. that, you know, <laughs> and, and, okay, we'll go with that. Sure. Would he recognize uh, you if you saw him today? I, I think he would recognize that he, I was the guy who I did, he did something with, uh, but it was yeah. a weird uh, it was a weird show. It was very fun. I got to work with Alonzo Bowden, uh, another last Hilarious. He's been on the show a couple times. I love that guy. Yeah. Yeah. And also, uh, Roy Wood Jr., who is, uh, like, he's, <laughs> he's here next really week. exploding. <laughs> We've got him uh, on, yeah, on the show Friday. Yeah. He's a re- re- hilarious guy. And so uh, that was, you know, a really positive uh, experience. And I'm really happy That's for awesome. all the success that Roy's had. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he's coming in next Friday. He's doing uh stand up here in town, but so, okay. So what was that? I'm not aware of this. So where was this, uh, what was it for? Or was it on a network? What was the deal with the show? It was on a network that is now defunct, uh, okay. that I, I would, my podcast was on that network at that time. Uh, we're on uh podcast one now, but at the time we were on the sideshow network and they had that, that, uh, they were, working with T.O. on some stuff, and they wanted to have him do, like, a weekly football podcast, and I was sort of, like, the person who was, like, driving, right. the, you know, the conversation. Right. That's, a, that's such a talented group of people, too. I'm, I'm disappointed it didn't go forward. So working with Podcast One, I mean, you want to see, you want to drill down to real nerdy here. Uh, did you, so with the process of putting your podcast on there, did you, do you work in hand with Mike August a lot? You know, I know him through uh, the, you know, uh, through Norm. You know, I know him from yeah. the from the Corolla show. I met him a couple times through uh, Podcast One. You know, I mostly am pretty self sufficient, though. Right. I, I basically do all of my own production work in house uh, with my team, and then we just sort of like upload the stuff to the servers, and and they, you know, are mostly responsible for you know, any sort of, uh, you know, marketing that they do for the podcast and then also for, uh, relations with, uh, sponsors because they own all those relationships, but, yeah, they do. uh, they've been, you know, really, really great, uh, partners of the podcast. They're, they're the bet. They're, they're unbelievable. I mean, to even be on the network, I think it's a hundred thousand downloads, a, a show or something along those lines. They just, the numbers they put together, are uh, are absolutely astonishing. So congratulations for being a part of that, and congratulations for being self sufficient, basically, to be able to put your product on on their platform like that. That's so impressive. Yeah, Chris and I sit in front of microphones, and Magic Engineer Sam just runs the universe. There's like a whole array of <laughs> buttons and switches that I stare across. Like we a we deep do. Ocean. We work at a really nice studio, Shock City Studios, here in St. Louis. That's 
unbelievable uh, quality in band, podcast, all that good stuff. But I guess the ultimate for a guy like you that has podcaster next to his name is you'd get to work from your house, man. What do you, I mean, that's fantastic, especially you have a family. That's, uh, that's another feather in the cap for your hard work. Yeah, I mean, it is really crazy that I have two small boys who are going to be uh, two and four uh, this fall, and my wife is downstairs, and so they have all of their drama and, you know, sort of like <laughs> banging on, like, they're like Dad, Dad, like, uh, you know. Yes. So it's, it's tricky. It's, it is, uh, you know, there is a lot of overlap between my work life and my professional life on any given day. And you're based in L.A., right? Yeah, I live in the the valley. Uh, you know, uh, not anywhere you know really uh, good in LA, but uh, you know close enough to drive there. Yeah, <laughs> we stayed in Studio City. We were uh, we were there last summer. Yeah. I I enjoyed it. I didn't mind at all. We were right next Dude, to that. Well, that's good. Studio City. What's what's that? <laughs> That Studio City is nice, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, and see, like, I don't know, even even not very nice in L.A. as we walk outside into, like, the middle of muggy St. Louis summer, like, I would take not very nice in L.A. Today. I say, it, it, being in our in our business, I would take, and let, we can talk local stuff and things and with athletes, that's one thing, but I was amazed on our trips to L.A. for what we were doing, just the podcast and things like that, uh, because of some super nice, friendly people and friends of ours that are in industries, I found it to be so easy to get work done because you can send a text and you can get a guy, a writer from a show. You can get a guy from uh, a, a, that stars on a TV show. That is the one thing that just you can't beat with LA with the access and proximity that you have to talented people everywhere. Yes. Uh, talented people are everywhere, but the traffic makes it so it's very hard to reach any of them. So that's the, uh, they're right there. They're only a block away, but it'll take them an hour to get there. That's so, right. Uh, it's the well, drive, the drive from Santa Monica to Hollywood. As I look at it from the Midwest on Google maps and think, Oh, it's four miles. Three and a half uh, hours later in Santa Monica Boulevard. <laughs> what am I doing with myself? Rob Sesterino. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rob, you, the website is Rob has a website. The podcast, Rob has a podcast. And uh, we'll I'm very creative. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, my Twitter handle Consistent is at, branding. at Tweet Denman. So that's, I want it to be as easy <laughs> as possible. So I respect that line of work, man. So it was an absolute pleasure. I really appreciate all the work you're doing and uh, would love to have you back on anytime. If you're ever in St. Louis, make you stop sure. by. All right. Well, you guys let me know. We, we do the podcast uh, live and uh, we go different places uh, to do, you know, we watch uh, the Survivor episode and then talk about it. So uh, we, who knows? We may get out there one day. Perfect. Rob, thank you so much. This has been, for me, it's like it's like paying to go to a con, but I didn't have to do that. <laughs> I just got to show up and then you were here in my ears and you are a TV person, Rob, and you're a real person. <laughs> yeah. Junior high me, junior high me is bouncing off the walls. I can't even tell this you. is so funny that's great I'll, I'll try and calm him down rob <laughs> okay get the hose yeah, that's right for sure <laughs> thanks rob all right thanks guys thank Bye. you rob cesarino we're gonna get uh, jeff calmed down had a blast guys thanks for listening so we are live You are now tuned in to the Free Play Media Podcast Network.